Welcome to the Self-Care Spotlight, presented by The Journal Deck, a product and brand rooted in self-care and living your truth. Hi, I'm Melissa Cousins, your host and The Journal Deck creator. Self-care might be a trendy word, but it's so much more than a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that can change your life. And in a world where we are more stressed than ever, we have to go deeper than occasional bubble baths and massages. Feel better, do better. This podcast is about getting to the heart of living your most aligned life against the backdrop of everyday life. Energy management, healing, radiance expansion, self-care elevated. Through my solo episodes and interviews with inspiring women who are just as likely to meditate as they are to curse. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to unapologetically take up space and make space. And remember, self-care can change the world by changing yours first. Are you ready? Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight. Today, we are talking about the art of softening. All right, here we go. First things first, context. I am in my dining room. I've got my pumpkin bourbon candle, my soy pumpkin bourbon candle going because it's October 2nd, it's a Wednesday, hump day, and I've got all the lights down and just natural light up in here. I got all my my resources, my books around me for this podcast. The puppy Sage is sleeping because I just took her on a walk to tire her out. Which brings me to softening. Okay, so funny story. I just took puppy Sage out for a walk. I knew I want, you know, I needed to take her out again. And, you know, she needs her exercise, right? I take her out and I notice that she is really fighting me to do this walk. But I'm thinking, Sage, we need to go on a walk. You need to walk. You are being lazy. You've been sleeping all day. Come on, like you need to get up. You're young, you're healthy. Let's go. Stop being so lazy. And I am just pulling on her leash. I feel like I'm dragging her. I'm yanking, getting, I feel my, I feel my heart rate literally starting to increase because I'm getting stressed and frustrated that she's not listening to me, that she's not walking. And the more that I pull and the more that I yank, You guys know how this is. If you've ever tried to walk a dog, the more you pull and yank on that chain, they are going to resist you more and more and more. And that's exactly what was happening. And I just felt myself, everything in my body was in resistance. I felt everything clenching. I felt my chest getting tight. I felt my, my, felt like my blood pressure was rising. I mean, I just was embodying stress in that moment, all because my 12-week-old you know, labradoodle puppy is being lazy and not really wanting to walk, even though it is really hot out for an October day, it is 90 degrees and she's a big fluff ball. And I'm getting frustrated and I'm in resistance and I don't feel soft in that moment, yanking and pulling and saying, 
what the f- sage <laughs> you know literally swearing in that moment i i caught myself when i went why did i just freak out like that like i literally said to her why the f won't you walk and i just stopped and thought what in the world why are you getting so upset why are you fighting her so much you just went to a yoga class like you here's the irony i knew i was coming back to record a podcast on softening and softness and here i was doing the opposite of soft literally i could feel the tightness the constriction the anxiety, the stress, that is not soft. The rigidity, I could feel it in my body. So it was ironic and I caught myself and I literally like got her in the car, still frustrated, get her on the seat, get in the car. I'm driving down. I'm still like, I'm so mad at myself. I'm not really mad at you, but I'm mad at you because you're not walking. And we get to the bottom you know, of the, of the hill that I live on. And I'm like, okay, we'll just change the scenery and we'll fresh, you know, we'll hit refresh. We'll start again. We'll try this. So I change the scenery. I take her further down the neighborhood, down the hill and set her down. And I'm like, okay, Alyssa, take a breath, center yourself. How can I flow with this instead of fight this? How can I flow with her instead of fight her? How can I soften? I put her down. And don't you know that my energy and not bringing resistance and tension into her chain, her leash, and even though I was frustrated, she was walking slow and wanting to sniff and smell absolutely everything. If I would just gently say, no, no, don't eat that, or come sage, and I just gave the gentlest little tug, And I spoke softly and calmly and I didn't bring tension and resistance into her leash. And I was with her and I flowed with her. And instead of trying to drag her and walk at my pace, don't you know that she walked so much better? So much better. Of course. Right? Now, were we going as fast as I wanted to? As you know, as fast as I wanted to walk? No, we weren't. But again, she's 12 weeks old. She's a puppy. She's a big furball. It's 90 degrees. She probably has been like just sleepy all day and had just, you know, woken up because I came home from yoga class and she was in her crate and then I got her out. So I needed in that moment to soften. And I luckily checked myself before I lost my patience because it didn't feel good in my body. And it didn't feel good, the exchange that I was having with my sweet baby girl, my sweet little puppy. And then we finished our 15-minute slow walk, put her back in the car, and I'm here now and I'm recording this podcast about softening. Had to share that, just a little bit of context, because... What is softening? You know, that in that moment, what was I really doing? So when you start talking about the feminine, with a capital F, feminine meaning energy, not gender, 
you will undoubtedly hear the word soft or soften. But what does that really even mean? So I was on a call, a client call, and she told me that soften has been her mantra for years. Every time she would come to her yoga mat, that was her intention was to soften. Because this is a woman who feels very strong in her masculine energy. And despite the fact that this had been her mantra for years, she said it felt unattainable, unreachable almost. And we actually laughed about it in this lighthearted way. And we're like, WTF? Like, what the F is softening? What does it mean to be soft? Which is obviously ironic because saying, what the fuck is softening? (laughs) I'm just going to say it, right? I'm just going to own that F word. Saying, what the fuck is softening? When you say that, that doesn't, it's ironic because it's the opposite of the energy of soft, right? WTF, you know, that is not exactly soft. (laughs) So we laughed about it, but it continued this deeper conversation of, What does it really mean to be soft or to soften? Because you hear about it a lot in this self-development space. And I find that a lot of women really struggle with it, with understanding it. Like, how do I actually embody that? What does it really mean? What does it look like, feel like? How do I get there? This is something I've heard a lot in, in the work that I've done. And I even, after this client call, had posted on my Instagram and said, I think I'm going to do a podcast around softening, you know, trying to see what other people thought. And I got feedback from women saying, yes, please, that sounds perfect because I've struggled with this concept of softening. Yes, please talk about it. So with all that being said, that's why we're here today, really, is it came out of that client call conversation. So again, what does it mean? to soften. I have an epiphany for you here that I want to share today because as I've shared before, soft is truly one of my favorite words. Like just when you say it, soften, soft, soften. It, it sounds soft. It's hard to actually say soften, right? Like that actually doesn't even feel right. Do it right now. Soften. You try, if you try to say soft in a harsh way, it doesn't feel right. It's like the word embodies itself. Soften. Soft. Yeah? And despite the fact that it's one of my favorite words, it can still also feel, even to me, very esoteric. And like, like liquid. Like it feels so good on your skin. But you can't hold on to it. You can't fully grasp its meaning. It feels like it slips through your fingers. So here's my epiphany. Are you ready? What if softening was synonymous with resiliency? Ooh, yeah. Let me say that again. What if softening was synonymous with resiliency. Softening is 
Resiliency. Softening is being resilient. The art of softening is about resiliency. However you want to phrase that, take those words, mesh them, and start to mold them together. Softness, resilience. Okay? This is what came out of the conversation with my client, and she really got it when I said it, and I really got it in a bigger way. You know, last month's podcast was all about the power of vital force by Rashri Patel, and we were talking together. And her book, she discusses resiliency. She doesn't use the word softness in relation to it, I don't believe, but I made this correlation during my client call and right afterwards, and I messaged her and said to my client, hey, wait a minute. I've got this thing, this epiphany, and it's this. Softness is about being resilient, not resistant. Softness is resilience, not resistance. Ah, yes, right? It is about flowing rather than fighting. You always hear people say that, right? Like, be in the flow. But what is flowing? To be in the flow means that you are not resisting, right? It's it's literally, that's it. If you have a channel, okay, imagine this. You have a kink in a hose. That kink in the hose The water, the channel, the energy, whatever you want to think of it as, think of that, that could be the energy in your body. And then there's that same idea with the energy, excuse me, with the kink in the hose, your your gardening hose. If there's a kink in the line, the energy can't flow, or excuse me, the water can't flow, right? It's, It's literally, it's in resistance. It's stuck. But as soon as you take that kink out and you stop, you know, that resistance from happening in the line, all of a sudden the water is flowing. That is literally us when we learn how to soften, when we learn how to be resilient rather than be in resistance, when we tap into flowing rather than fighting. So this is really about acceptance. That's another really big word, right? This whole season of the fall season here is about healing. But how do we truly accept something when it's hurt us? Or when someone has hurt us? When we've been through a pain, a deep pain? Or how do we accept something that happens and it really sucks? And it feels like, Something is working against you. And you're like, oh my God, why did that happen? Why did I just lose my job? Or I'm so stressed out every single day. When we're in that space, we're fighting it. We're fighting our trauma. We're fighting our pain. We're fighting our daily stress. We're fighting our overwhelm. We're fighting our current situation. Rather than accepting but accepting, you can't, you can't correlate that accepting somehow means 
you know, that it wasn't a big deal. You're not lessening the pain or the stress or the hurt. You're just taking it all in and being with it, right? You're sitting with it. And by doing that, you're stepping into the flow rather than fighting it. You're meeting it with resilience rather than with resistance. Okay, so acceptance and flow go together. Rajshri from her book, again mentioning her from last month's podcast, she says that it's like fighting gravity, like fighting a natural law of the universe. And that law that we are fighting when we fight what we perceive to be negative situations in our lives, we're fighting the law of duality. So I always talk about paradoxes because that is life. Life is paradoxes. You can't really know joy without pain and vice versa. There's hot and cold, up and down, day and night, left and right. This is life. Life is one giant paradox. The more you can learn to accept that, the better off you will be and the less you will feel like you are fighting an uphill battle. So just like Rajshree says in her book, The Power of Vital Force, why are you fighting what you perceive as the negative parts of your life? Why are you fighting a natural law of the universe? Why are you fighting duality? Why are you fighting the fact that there is going to be, quote unquote, negative parts to your life where things aren't always great? Why are you fighting it? rather than going and meeting it and going deep into it and and doing the work to soften and accept it and step into the flow versus the fight. All right, so here's a quote directly from The Power of Vital Force. I got my book out here. She writes on page 190, in physics, a good conductor of electricity is one that has a low degree of resistance and a poor conductor is one that has high resistance. Unless you are somehow magically able to defy the laws of physics, you work exactly the same way. Mm, that's so good, right? Same idea as the kink in the hose, as the kink in the garden hose with the water, right? A good conductor of electricity is one that has a low degree of resistance, and a poor conductor of electricity has a high degree of resistance. I love that analogy. I'm all about analogies to better understand things, these big topics. So what I want you to think about right now, keeping that in mind, that a good conductor of energy has a low degree of resistance. Keep that in mind. So how do you feel when you're in resistance? Okay, like a really stressful situation. How do you feel? Me out there with with Sage, my chest was tightening. I could literally feel my heart start racing. I could feel like my blood pressure is rising. I'm getting hotter. I feel a contraction, a tightening. 
right? When you're in resistance, that doesn't feel good. It feels like contraction, right? That is, that is not this open expandedness, this lightness that we're going for, right? Now, what about the moment whenever you let it go? That moment when you just... That moment that I had when I realized, why did I just swear at my puppy? Why am I getting so frustrated about this? Why am I fighting her? Right? How do you feel in that moment when you just let it roll off and you take a breath and you get some perspective and you soften? What do we tell people when they're having a panic attack? Do we tell them to, you should breathe faster? (laughs) No. Because when we're having a panic attack, that's how we breathe, right? Like, (laughs) it's really shallow breathing. It's all from the chest. There's no belly breathing. It's very, it's, it's chaotic. No, whenever someone's having a panic attack, we tell them to, to take a deep breath, to try and slow the breath down, to breathe deeply, right? That's one of those pieces of advice that you, you hear from the time you're little. Take 10 deep breaths, right? And you'll calm down. But it's true because the breath is life force. Prana is life force. It is energy running through you. And you are a conductor of energy just like those electricity, you know, that Rishi was talking about in that quote. And good conductors of electricity have low degrees of resistance. So you want to take... Good, slow, deep, long breaths. That life force tapping into that breath, that energy, that's what breath is. And you want to then create, you're creating that good flow. You're being a good conductor of electricity, of energy in that moment with good, deep, slow, long breath. (laughs) Long, slow, smooth, and fine rather than (laughs) sporadic, right? That feels like resistance. And by the way, what happens when you take a breath that way? When you take a breath really long, slow, smooth, and fine, right? You soften. Let's try it. I want you to go ahead and take a really big, deep breath. And like take your shoulders up to your ears, everything. Take it up, big, pull it in. Exhale. Did you feel that? Your shoulders softened, your body, your face. You softened. Now mimic that right there, that feeling. Mimic that in your life, and that is softening. That is resiliency. That is the embodiment of resiliency right there. You can see it and feel it with a good breath. Okay, another point here. Soft things, they don't break. They bend. 
They're flexible, right? Okay? Something that is literally soft. You know, picture anything in your head right now. A big fluffy pillow that's soft. It doesn't break, right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't break. Or think of something that is maybe like rubbery. It's more soft and malleable. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't break. It can bend, but it doesn't break. It's flexible. Yeah? You with me? So, soft isn't weak. Soft is not weak. All right, I have, another, I have another quote here. Sorry if you hear me moving around. I'm just getting all my, my books and all of the things. Okay, so I have another quote. And this is from Rachel Brayton, a.k.a. Yoga Girl's new book, To Love and Let Go, that I just finished reading. Actually, I just finished reading it today. <laughs> I was reading it little bits at a time. I just finished. Beautiful book. Beautiful memoir on love, loss, and gratitude. And she talks about this subject of letting go and resistance on page 308. So here we go. Let me just read it for you. It's a little bit of a long passage. Story time here. I'd been trying to escape the pain, dreading each contraction as it approached. Standing under the light of the full moon, I could hear Andrea speak to me. Dive, she said. Meet it. Feel it. The pain is in the resistance. Allowing brings peace. Let go. When the next contraction came, instead of trying to make my way around the pain, I started moving into it. I took a huge breath and I stepped toward the fire. Whenever a surge came, instead of escaping it, I went deep inside. Strangely, moving toward the pain brought about a way for me to cope, and I felt almost like a surfer riding a wave. The waves of contractions reminded me of the waves of, waves of grief I'd experienced throughout the years, especially the year after Andrea died. I remember walking down the street feeling completely normal when suddenly something would remind me of her and grief would hit me so hard that I'd double over and cry in the middle of the sidewalk. Contractions were similar. They'd arrive and hit me hard. There was nowhere to go but within. During one specifically intense surge, I realized this was the gift Andrea truly gave me. The lesson I learned through her, the lesson I've kept learning was exactly this, to not escape, to sit with pain, to move with it instead of against. The only way out is through. Does that sound weak to you? Does that sound weak, what she wrote about going through labor? About when she would experience waves of grief after losing her best friend? Does that sound weak to step into the fire, to step into the pain? No, of course not. You would never say that to someone who is in the middle of that. You would never say, that's really weak of you. That's the easy way out. Hell no. 
That is the bravest decision of all to not back down, to not shrink. There is a beautiful, beautiful poem. It's called The Invitation by Uriah. And it was actually something that we had read at my wedding. My friend Sydney read it. And it even talks about that. It says, will you stand with me in the fire and not shrink back? That's it. We only make it harder. And this is something that Rachel talks about in the book that she realized throughout all of the pain she'd been through in her life, all of the incredible amount of losses she'd had. And you can probably relate to this too, that we only make it harder by creating more resistance. When we try to avoid our pain or when we try to avoid our current situation, we make it harder by creating more resistance. By not going with it, we are fighting it. We're creating this internal battle. We're using all all of our own energy against ourselves to try and resist it. We're literally fighting ourselves internally. We're self-sabotaging our own healing in that moment when we're fighting Again, we're fighting these natural laws of life, which is that there will be pain and suffering, but there will also be joy. I feel really emotional actually talking about this. So why are we doing that? It's not weak to step into that fire. It's not weak to meet the pain, to meet the hurt, to meet the anxiety. It might be hard to go in there, but once you do, that's your way out right? This is something that, this has been talked about by sages for, you know, forever, ancient texts to now. The only way out is through. So that brings me to this point of defeat versus surrender. Let's go there. So defeat is I give up my power, right? If you're defeated, if you feel defeated, I give up my power. Defeat is I give up my power. Surrender is I trust in a higher power. Let me repeat that. Defeat is I give up my power. Surrender is I trust in a higher power, right? Mm. Sit with that, sit with that. Surrendering, softening, accepting is trusting in a higher power, not giving up your power. There's a huge difference there. In the moment that you soften, that you accept, that you surrender, you are not, you are not defeated. You are not defeated, my love, and you have not given up your power. You are simply trusting in a higher power and you're trusting in yourself also in that moment. You're, you're trusting to co-collaborate with this loving, supportive universe that wants to help you, that wants you to succeed. I mean, truly, why would a higher power not want you to succeed? What benefit would 
the universe have in that? If you think of it like that, you're like, oh, I can't really think of any. Softness is trusting with a capital T. It is knowing that you are held, deeply held by the universe. By spirit, God, goddess, source, spirit. Softness is trusting and knowing that you are held. So in yoga, softness or non-resistance, as we're thinking of it today, resiliency, it can relate to this term in Sanskrit. And I apologize if I am not saying it correctly. I believe it's one of the niyamas, I believe. I don't think it's one of the yamas. I think it's one of the niyamas. I apologize if I'm getting that incorrect. Ishvara Prani Dahana. Ishvara Prani Dahana. Which is about having faith in a higher plan for you. It's the, I'm good no matter what. Even if it doesn't work out like I hoped, I'm good. I will be okay because I am held and supported by the universe. That is the principle of softening, right? So we see it in these ancient topics, these discussions that come up, you know, in texts, ancient Hindu texts. And yet we still struggle with them to this day because our humanness has not escaped us in all of these thousands of years. It's still, it's still very much with us. That brings me to the idea of presence because that attitude of I am good no matter what, even if this was not how I wanted it to, it's the realization of this isn't happening to me, it's happening for me, and I'm going to be okay. I'm not broken, I'm just bent. You know that Pink song that she sings, oh, with that guy from that band, I can't remember. Shoot, but she says, we're not broken, just bent, and we can learn to love again. I love that song, I love that lyric, because that's a moment you realize, I'm not broken, I'm just bent, and I'm going to be okay, right? That attitude is about presence. Again, with a big capital P. And that attitude of presence, of it's all good, as Rachel Braithen said, I believe in the good things coming, it can be conveyed in a small gentle touch, that you give to your partner when they're having a really bad day. It can be going with the flow instead of fighting. It can be allowing yourself to be led, asking for help, being more spontaneous, or just a calm voice of, it's okay, it's going to be okay. Or maybe just someone holding you and not telling you it's okay because maybe it's really not. All of those things are about this attitude of presence. 
presence. Softening and being in the flow, being in a state of acceptance and not resisting, being in a state of resiliency is about being with the moment and being really present with whatever is in front of you and knowing that you're good or at least you're going to be good even if it hurts. Okay, so when we see softness in this way, I think this brings me to my favorite paradox, soft and fierce. So when we see softness in this way that I'm describing as, excuse me, as resiliency, softness and fierceness, they don't have to be at odds anymore, right? Because soft is really about this gentle power, this gentle, tender power in knowing I know who I am and I know that I'm held. I know who I am and I know that I'm held. Maybe even adding on, I know who I am, I know that I'm held, and I know that I am of light and love, and that I'm always connected to that infinite source because it is a part of me. I know who I am, and I know that I'm held. And with that steadying assurance, we can walk into a room with that soft yet fierce radiance. You get me? Yeah, you can see that, right? Envision a woman right now, a radiant woman walking into a room. Everyone turns to look at her, not because she's beautiful, although maybe she is, maybe she's a knockout, but because of her radiance, that she's emitting, she's glowing with, that soft yet fierceness, that gentle power in knowing, that woman knows, I know who I am and I know that I'm held. So in that moment, she is soft and yet she is so, so fierce. All right, so we, we get softening a bit more, yeah? We get soften, softening, soft. We get it a little bit more. Last piece of this puzzle, though, is, but if I know what it is, how do I still get there? <laughs> I mean, right? Ugh, duh. Okay. Two easy things you can do to get into your softness, to get into your state of flowing rather than fighting, of being resilient rather than resistant. First thing you can do is you can ask yourself in that moment that you feel yourself being resistant and not being soft, right? Not feeling soft. You can feel the tightening happening, the anxiety. You can ask yourself this question, how can I flow with this instead of fight this? As Rachel Brayton in her book, To Love and Let Go, put it, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? Or what is the most loving action I can take right now? What is the most loving thing I can say right now? How can I flow with this instead of 
fight this. Yeah, that is, that is the art of softening. You can ask that question just like I did when I was outside with Sage and her leash. I felt myself take a breath, which can be step two, take a breath, feel yourself soften. And then ask, maybe that's, maybe that's step one is take the breath. And then step two is asking that question, how can I flow with this instead of fight this? What is the most loving thing I can do right now? And then part three of that is self-care. Up-leveling your energy. So self-care in terms of up-leveling energy and keeping your energy high and clear. Keeping that vital force, life force energy high and clear and flowing by practicing your self-care is going to keep, well, it seems natural, right? If I am keeping my energy flowing and clear that we talked about last month, that life force energy high and clear and moving fast, doesn't it seem like it makes perfect sense that I am in that moment a good conductor of electricity, which is energy. Therefore, I am in low resistance. Therefore, I am in a state of softening and acceptance, right? Presence, yes. Oh, it all comes full circle. So self-care spotlight, practice your self-care, specifically those things that are going to up-level and keep your energy high and flowing, your yoga, your meditation, your breath work, dancing, anything that you feel keeps your energy levels high and good, you know, eating clean, ah, having sex, <laughs> self-pleasure. I mean, all of these things that we can do to elevate our energy, that is something that you can be physically doing, is taking care of yourself to keep yourself as a good conductor, literally, of of energy and be in a state of low resistance because that's what a good conductor of energy is. And we are energy. We know that. Okay, so what else can you do to bring about this quality, this feeling of softness in your life aside from being resilient, right? Aside from saying, how can I go with the flow here instead of fighting this? Two things I want to point out. I'm going to go very Danielle Laporte on you here. Your environment and your speech. Okay, so let's start with environment. To feel and embody softness. And I'm saying let's go very Danielle Laporte here because she's all about creating and embodying our core desired feelings, as she calls them from her book, The Desire Map. Fantastic, life-changing book. And so the idea is that we embody how we want to feel. So if I want to feel soft, then what can I, how can I create an environment, say my home that I live in? How can I make it feel soft to engender those feelings of softness within me? Where the idea that the external kind of bleeds into the internal, right? And our environment is extremely important. I am such a believer that our home, our physical environment, it should speak to who we are and who we want to be and the way that 
we want to live our lives and what we value, right? It should, you know, if you love if you love travel, then you probably have photos of maybe travel photography around you. If you love books, you probably have stacks of books around you. You know, it should really reflect you as a person and as your as your family, it should reflect what you value. So why not reflect how you want to feel as well? So if softness is a way that you want to feel, then quite literally in your home, is your home really rigid? Is it all really straight lines and very linear, which is more masculine? Does it have soft surfaces and textures, different kinds of textures? Or are they, is it like harsh leather and all, you know, really hard, just like surfaces, right? So I'm thinking there's pillows, there's different textures, there's, you know, faux fur pillows and rugs, there's candles, there's flowers, there's blankets dripping over a sofa or a chair, right? The lighting, instead of having it all the way up, maybe you have like a dimmer switch type of light, Or even some of those colored lights, if you like that, that kind of set a mood, right? Do you have aromatherapy, you know, oil diffusing and getting this beautiful smell that feels good in the air? So I'm painting a picture here, right, of what softness looks like. You could imagine the opposite of that is walking into, say, a home that is, say, really starkly modern, and just has all these edges to it and glass maybe everywhere and it just feels hard, right? It feels rigid. Now there's nothing wrong with seeing that and being in that if you're like, well, but I really like that style of the modern. Nothing wrong with that. It's something to be aware of though if you're trying to bring in a softness approach in your life. Your environment has a lot to do with your internal world. So how can you bring in more of a softness into your physical home even your home office, how can you engender those feelings within your home? Okay, part two here. The second thing I want to touch on is speech. You can embody softness through your speech, through how you speak to people. So uh, think of, you know, how do you talk to strangers? How do you talk to the bank teller? How do you talk to the person the person checking you out at the grocery store or at the, the shopping mall that you're at, wherever it might be, the waiter, the waitress? Especially when, say, the waiter or the waitress forgot to bring you your coffee or they just, you know, brought you the wrong meal or something like that. How do you speak in those moments? Are you soft or are you not so soft? Now, that's not to say that you get walked over, but this is where I'd like to call in that phrase, do no harm but take no shit. Kind of like that a little bit. Again, another one, kill them with kindness, right? That you don't have to really get all grr and elevate your voice to the point of yelling 
or having this really um, attitude behind your voice, this like pissed offness tone that you get with someone who say brought you the wrong meal or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. You start to get real like attitude and anyone, you know, in close range could see it all over your face and hear it in your voice. So how can you do no harm but take no shit? How can you kill them with kindness? How can you be compassionate in a moment when, say, they forgot to bring you your coffee or something and you think, wow, they must be like probably short-staffed, or right? Have some compassion and lean into that softness of compassion maybe in that moment, right? Same thing with People that aren't strangers. How do you speak to your partner, right? I mean, truly, when they walk in the door, and I am so bad at this. I need to work on this. When they walk in the door, do you truly greet them? Like you're happy to see them? Or is it you immediately like, Maybe don't even really acknowledge them or it's just kind of like a, hey, and there's not this soft quality, this warm, soft quality to it. Again, I'm not saying you have to like, your partner walks in the door and you have to like be like, oh, I missed you so much, kiss, kiss, kiss. But you know the difference, right, of being able to greet somebody and have them really feel like, wow, they are... They, they feel your warmth in that moment. They feel your softness. They feel that they were missed and they feel loved in that moment because of how you approach them with your energy, with your tone of voice. Hey, babe. Oh, I'm so glad that you're home. I missed you. Give me a kiss. Okay, I'm going to finish what I was doing, okay? I'll, you know, I'll, I just need about 10 more minutes. Something really simple, you know? doesn't have to be groveling at their feet like you're worshiping them every time they walk in the door but you get my point sometimes we're just so short with the people that we love right like we we love them and yet they bear the brunt of all of the shit that we have going on any stress throughout our day maybe they walk in the door we sit down at the table and all of a sudden what we're doing is just offloading everything from our day instead of truly being in some type of conversation, right? And so we're just offloading everything. And again, you can have that space, but you also have to know that there's a time and a place for it. Maybe even asking someone, hey, can I like, I just needed to get this off of my chest. Can I talk to you about this or get your opinion on this? Like almost like you're asking for permission in a way, like to say, like, can I use some of the space of our time together? I just need to get this off my chest, right? That you can do it in a kind, soft way where you're not taking up the entire one-sided conversation, really, and filling it with just this toxic speech, right, where you're just aggravated and irritated and stressed, And, you know, as an extension of that, knowing, you know, that goes into saying sorry when you really should say I'm sorry, right? That's softness and not being afraid to say that. Or realizing that if you just snapped on your, someone that you love, a friend or a family member or your romantic partner, and you snap on them in that moment realizing that 
immediately once you recognize it, softening enough to say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, this is what's really going on. I didn't, I didn't mean to attack you or jumped on your throat. Let, let's like start over here. I'm sorry, right? Like it's, it's an awareness of knowing whenever your speech and the way that you are speaking to people, when it's, when it's way going past softness and it's getting really harsh and attitude filled and rigid, maybe even a little scary and really snappy, bitchy even, honestly, right? We've all been there. We're not perfect. We have bad days. But it's that awareness of it doesn't feel good whenever you do that, right? You know when you do it and you snap on someone, it doesn't feel right, you know? It it hurts afterwards to realize that, you know, I didn't treat that person the way that they deserve to be treated and that was like my own shit or I should have had a little bit more compassion, Right? So being mindful of how we speak to one another, how can we soften in how we interact with those around us, whether they are strangers or whether they are near and dear to our hearts. The last point I want to make is the idea of, I'm going to go specifically here, even though softness is, I'm thinking of it as a a quality of the feminine energy, I want to talk a little bit about softness in terms of men and women. I think that's important to talk about because I think as women, it's really easy for us to, in this Western society, show up as very much in our masculine energy. In fact, let's set this up for you. We micromanage. We ask for someone's opinion and then we condemn it. We think if I don't do it, then no one else will do it right. We set our significant others up for predetermined failure, therefore demasculinating them. And before you know it, we're superhuman, right? We're supposed to be Wonder Woman, this person who can do it all. It's not about having it all by doing it all, right? You can have it all, but it's not by doing it all. But it's this notion that we've been taught to believe that we can just do everything ourselves as these modern women. And while we might be able to, it doesn't feel good. But eventually, it becomes expected if you continue that pattern. And then our partners feel unneeded. And if we're talking specifically about men, or those who really strongly identify with the masculine energy, if they don't feel needed, they feel worthless. Like, what is the point of me even being in this relationship? I am not needed. I am not valued, right? I'm not appreciated. Men are natural providers. Hence the phrase, happy wife, happy life right? Oh, that makes so much more sense now. That's truly, I really see that in my own husband. Maybe you see it in the men in your life. Happy wife, happy life. At its best, the masculine wants to 
put the feminine on the throne that he sees her on. Truly, I know that for some of you, you might be thinking, my partner does not see me in this way. But truly, a man in his sacred masculine, he wants to worship his partner, his woman. He sees her as this queen. And he wants to make sure that she is happy, that she is cared for, that she feels good, right? Think about whenever you don't feel good and your husband, he almost feels really... Like he doesn't know what to do because especially if if he actually can't help you, like if something happened in your life that is truly beyond his control, say like you lost your job, something really big, right? And he feels like I physically don't even know what I can do. I can't fix anything. Like what can I do? And I think that even, you know, men, whenever their partner is going through labor, That must feel so challenging for them to just have to really lean into that feminine and trust so much in this process because there's so little that the man can actually do in that situation of a woman giving birth, right? But in the moment that we're trying to control, we aren't receiving in that moment, are we? We aren't allowing our own throne, We're leading. And while there's nothing wrong with using our divine, sacred, masculine to lead, it gets exhausting, yeah? Always leading. The divine feminine, the sacred feminine, allows herself to be led, to be held, to be taken care of, to be provided for. And again, This is not weak. This is a beautiful divine balance, a sacred union of opposites. So here's the thing. In any relationship between two beings, right? Let's just, let you know, maybe letting that gender go for a second here. A relationship between two beings, you have the need for polarity because love desires closeness, but desire wants the unknown. It wants polarity. I believe that's from, is that Esther Perez, I think? Desire wants the unknown. Relationships, they want the unknown which is unfortunately why people have affairs because desire wants the unknown. It wants novelty, right? It needs polarity. So if you have two people showing up in a relationship and, you know, both of them are acting from a very feminine place or a very masculine place, there's no polarity. And for most of us, for most of us, I'm going to go with women here. I'm a woman. In the West, a lot of us are showing up in that really heavily masculine way, even though we're women. And then we're meeting our our man and we're wondering, why is the sex not great? Or why are we not connecting? Or, you know, why do I feel like he's not the man I want him to be? You know, you'll hear women say that. Why do you think that 
women, I know this sounds funny, but why do you think women love Fifty Shades of Grey so damn much? That book. Because they wanted to be able to soften and let go and fully surrender to the masculine, to their man, and be taken in a beautiful way. Where him and his masculine can take you and your soft feminine. And that you can just receive it all. Even talking about it, you're like, yeah, I get it. That's why Fifty Shades of Grey was such a huge sensation. Because women crave that. They want to be held. They want to be, they want to be able to soften. They want to be able to let go and not have to make the decision. Not have to micromanage everything. Doesn't it feel so good when someone else takes the lead sometimes? You don't want to have to tell someone what to do. Yeah, same goes with relationship. We want that. We need that polarity. So if you can show up and maybe, you know, you're in your career, you're doing your, you're using your masculine energy, your Shiva to get things done. And we need that. That's fantastic. It's the action. It's the go. It's the do. But then you have to learn how to soften and turn that off and be able then to step into your relationship with your partner and be that feminine. If you are the woman in that relationship and you identify in that way with that energy, then you have to be able to turn that on and turn off that heavy masculine or at least turn it down, right? (laughs) We know it's there. But we have to be able to step into our softness and our feminine. And I was just listening to a podcast and there was a guy on and he was talking and they were discussing masculine and feminine. And he said, you know what? I find nothing more sexy than the quality of softness in a woman. And to us women, you know, we're again thinking, well, what the fuck, man? But I don't, how do I do that? Well, right there, you don't do it, you be it. And you don't approach it with the WTF attitude, right? You soften, you take a breath. How can I flow with this moment? How can I be in my body because the body is the feminine? How can I get out of my head, which is the masculine? And if I'm in my head, I'm usually in resistance, right? I'm not in softness. So yeah, in our relationships... Our romantic relationships, we need polarity. We need to be able to be soft and in our feminine and then be met by our man or our partner in their masculine that can hold you. And you can fall apart in their arms if you need to. Or they can hold you and embrace you in a moment of heated intimacy and they can hold you right in all of your soft fleshy feminine glory you know think of a feminine body right our thighs our breasts our bellies we carry more softness women we literally do than men men are usually more lean because you know they don't even They don't need it. They don't need to have big full hips or they don't carry extra belly, literally extra belly fat. I'm going to use that word because it's what it is. 
I don't mean it in a bad way. They literally don't carry as much of that in their bellies because they biologically don't need to because we carry children. And we have these soft, supple breasts, whether they're big or they're small, they're there. They're not hard and rigid. No, like we think of, we think of women, I think a lot of times we think of more bodies as, they can be strong for sure. But again, they can be soft and strong. Soft doesn't negate the the strength. But yet I think when we think of a man, a lot of times we think of this harder body and, and musculature, right? So there's a little analogy for you, just just with women in general, yeah? Men and women, bodies. I love that I just brought up Fifty Shades of Grey in a podcast. <laughs> oh, let's, let's just, uh, let's finish Let's finish with some words. Here we go. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon, I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals, or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul, if you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it is not pretty every day, and if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand at the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. The Invitation by Ariah. So what's been your experience with softening? 
did this episode clarify anything for you? I want to leave you with a goddess edition journal deck prompt question. Where do you need to soften in your life? Where do you need to soften in your life? So two reminders before I let you go. Number one, you can call me and talk to me about your experience with softness. And if this clarified something for you or just some love that you want to leave, a question that you have about softness, call me up the Google voice line for our podcast at 412-218-1229. And just know it might show up in a future episode. I also want to remind you that at the very end of this month, so the end of November, it's going to be our biggest sale of the year for the journal deck. I just mentioned the Goddess Edition journal deck. Absolutely everything is going to be on sale for our biggest sale of the year for Black Friday. So you definitely want to be on the lookout for that and be on our newsletter list. I will put a link for that in the show notes. Otherwise, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for sharing this podcast. And now go out there and be soft yet fierce. Till next time.